If you love what you hear, check out our authors Andrea Stewart and N.A. Fulton on Amazon.com, and be sure to subscribe to our Dark Romance Novels and Stories podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast provider. Learn more about us at audioiron.com. A Woman's Honor, a dark historical romance novel by Andrea Stewart. Chapter 1. Eleanor hit the table in front of her father so hard that she heard the bones in her hands crack. She swept the maps and treaty drafts covering the table onto the floor and hurled the ink pot at the wall. I do not care what you have signed. We have summoned the priest and he waits with the duke below. Face gray, eyes staring, her father might have been a stranger. Blood and mud coated his battered armor, a soiled bandage covered the stumps of two fingers. Not a young man to begin with, he looked to have aged a lifetime. Share the demon's bed? Bear his children? You would prefer he kill us all? I will die first. The back of her father's hand came across her face hard. She dropped to the floor, head reeling, looked up to find him over her. His eyes were pits of hate in a dead white face. Four hundred men have died defending this keep. In the last year we lost all our crops, our women have been raped, our children murdered. You planned this campaign with your brother, you insisted that we not parley when the duke came to us for your hand. Now you will pay the price. To such a fate you would never surrender a man. You are not a man. Would to God that I had remembered that a year passed. Would to God that you had died in your brother's place. You are God's curse upon me and if you die in the duke's keeping I will dance a jig and pray you land in hell. The world swam before Eleanor's eyes. Her father had never raised his voice to her, had coddled her since childhood. Her father bent down, took her arm, wrenched her up onto her feet and shoved her toward the door. Not one man more will die when we can make peace at merely the price of a woman's honor. He pulled the door open and one of the duke's men turned toward them, his blade drawn. Very tall, white-haired, face burned brown and lined by years in a far-off desert, the guard looked as if he hadn't slept since time began. No one had. The duke's siege had lasted only a fortnight, but the last three days had been an unending assault. Eleanor saw bloodlust still burned in the pale man's eyes. Her father shoved her into the hall and she fell at the guard's feet. Take her and the deed is done. May she be a curse upon your lord as she has been one upon me. The guard took Eleanor by the hair, jerked her to her feet, and pulled her down the hall. She heard the door to her father's counting room slam shut as the guard drove her down the wide staircase that led to the castle's courtyard. As the guard pushed her into the midday sun the stench of tar and scorched flesh struck her like a wall. Nausea washed over her head fixed in the hand of the giant, as he half shoved, half carried her through the mud, she couldn't turn away from the broken bodies or familiar faces that littered the ground and battlements all around her. At the main gate, its drawbridge covered in gore and lost limbs from the hard-fought assault this morning, she found herself in a circle of men who towered over her. Faces grim, jaws clenched, they studied her and clearly found her wanting. She recalled removing her overgown early this morning when they brought Eric to her. It was all she'd had to tear into strips for bandages. Now she looked down to find she wore just a thin shift and it was plastered to her body by her brother's blood. A fitting wedding gown for this hellish union. 
she turned to find her priest, first to hear her confession, rotund and trembling before the half a hundred warriors who had gathered to hear her vows. He looked at her piteously but made no move to cover or comfort her. The crowd stirred and Robert de Vidot, Duke of Trevich, stepped through his circle of men to her side. Burned gold and brown from decades in the Holy Land and broadly built from a lifetime on campaign, the Duke was taller than all but the white-haired warrior who had dragged her to the gate. Coal-black hair stuck to his sweat-streaked face, and his deep brown eyes might have been holes bored into his black heart for all the humanity they revealed when they looked at her. His hate for her was palpable. What did he see as he looked at her? She was so fair-skinned that blue veins could be seen in her hands, and her newly cropped hair was so pale as to be white and silver in the sun. She was so slender that she could still be taken for a youth despite her seventeen summers, and so short of stature that her head came to just above his shoulder. She was as Norman as the king, he as Saxon as a slave. This could not be. Without a thought Eleanor turned to walk away from the duke. She could not bear to look at him, and would die screaming should he touch her. The duke's hand bit into her arm so hard she cried out. He pulled her back to his side and held her immobile as the priest began to stumble through his office. The duke shook her when she failed to speak her vows and white-hot pain coursed through her arm until she made her oath to him under God. A moment later she heard him bark his own vows, and then the deed was done. While men spoke around her, Eleanor looked up to heaven. Surely lightning should strike them both dead for this abomination. Above her she discovered her brother's head, hacked from its body and stuck on a spear, the butt end of which was lodged it in one of metal braces that usually held her family's standard. Eleanor vomited the little food she had taken that day onto the ground and backed away. The duke looked down at her in surprise, then up at what hung over them. Let's have this misery done. He said. He took her by the arm and dragged her, writhing, back through the men, across the bridge into the keep. Her bare feet slipped and slid in the blood and mud and tar that coated everything. Her shins struck every stair on the way up, and she swiftly lost both her shoes. Behind them half a dozen grim men were in tow. At the top of the keep the duke shoved open the door to her room and threw her down onto her own bed. She struggled to sit up. Three men remained in the hall and three, including the white-haired man and the duke followed her in. The white-haired man put his back to the door while a darker, heavier, smaller man went around the bed behind her. All their faces were as hard as stone. Could it be they meant to rape her? Her husband moved first. He pulled a square of white linen from his pocket and wrapped the cloth around his hand. Then he walked to the bed, and as she tried to scoot away from him, the dark man behind her, forced her shoulders back and down until she was flat on the bed. The duke threw her shift up over her waist, forced her struggling legs apart and she felt his fingers, covered by the cloth, pushed inside her. Something stretched within her and she cried out. All their eyes were on her face, watching her. Shock turned to fury in an instant and she began to fight. The duke pulled his hand away and she saw the linen he held was covered with her blood. He threw her shift down over her thighs and the man behind her let her sit up but put his hand over her mouth when she tried to speak. The duke dropped to his haunches so he could look into her face. Now, we will have it clear from the start. I have two men here who will say this was no true bedding. I will not be forced to wed a woman who hates me and who I have every reason to hate. You will live at my keep as my wife until I choose to set you aside. At which time you will take orders in the cloister of my choosing. Do you understand? Eleanor could not believe her ears. She was to be spared the hell of a marriage to him? Would never feel him pry his way inside her again or feel his child stirring under her heart? 
Understanding came a moment later and she tried to pull the hand covering her mouth away so she could spit obscenities at him. This was theft pure and brutal. He had never meant to create a union of their houses, he meant to have all and leave her family with nothing. He had not made peace but connived conquest. Say a word to anyone before we leave this place today, or before I give you leave, and I swear. He paused as if to make sure she would hear him. I will kill you, your mother, your father and every man, woman and child on these lands. Breathe just one word against me and your tongue will seal their fate. She thought of his army waiting outside the castle, her dead still piled in the keep, all the villages he'd burned over the last year. There were hardly enough souls left alive to rebuild shelter for winter or enough food left to forestall famine. The duke could easily do as he said. The dark man behind her slowly took his hand away from her mouth. Her lips cut by her teeth during the struggle felt swollen and stiff. Her mouth was dry from lack of food and water. How long since she'd eaten? And her throat hurt from the smoke and vomit of the day. It took a long moment to find her voice. You are a cur, a thief and a murderer. I will hide your treachery, but God himself will see you burn in hell. The duke stood up. This bargain I have made with you is the last kindness you will see from me until I imprison you in a convent. Then may you die praying God forgive you, and your family, for all your many sins. He looked at his soldiers. We leave within the hour. Bind the girl and shove her in with the luggage. Keep her from me lest I strike her head from her shoulders. I am hard pressed not to see them all dead. Moments later Eleanor found herself being trundled back down the stairs. In the courtyard she watched the duke shove the bloody rag he had pulled from between her legs into the hands of the priest. The dark-haired soldier shoved her over the drawbridge, across the battle lines, to a rough made wagon half filled with spears. Two bodies, wrapped in cloaks, already lay atop them. The soldier bound her, hand and feet, and lifted her into the cart to sit beside them. In short order the duke, his army, and his new bride set off. Night fell before the march ended, and Eleanor's head ached with the endless jostling. The spears beneath her made it impossible for her to sit upright so soon she was all but lying beside the two bodies in the cart. Was this, she wondered, the sum total of their losses? Two men. Her people had been slaughtered, massacred. When the wagon did finally rattle to a stop, she waited in vain for someone to come to her. She watched men at a distance start fires, search the area for small game, and cook their evening meals. After a time they began to curse the cold ground, settle near their coals, and fall fast asleep on the damp soil. As the moon rose she began to hear their snores. When it became apparent to her that no one was coming to feed her, she stirred. Using careful hands she tried to find a spear sharp enough to saw through her bonds. Instead she sliced open one hand. She stifled her cry of pain, brought her bound hands up, and blood poured black down her arm in the moonlight. Idiot. She looked toward the foot of the wagon and found the duke, in fresh clothes, studying her. I have been watching you for the better part of an hour. I am tired of waiting for you to find a way to slit your own wrists. She remained silent, pressing her hands together to try and stop the bleeding. It hurt beyond belief, and she wondered if he could see her panic. She thought she was likely to bleed to death if he didn't help her, but she would die before asking him for aid. Nothing happened for a long moment, then with an oath, he stepped into the open cart. He drew his dagger and cut the ropes on her hands and feet. The cold steel burned her skin where it touched. 
As soon as she had use of her hands, she pressed her bleeding palm against her breast to staunch the blood. After a few deep breaths she used her free hand to rip some of the fabric of her shift away. A moment later she had a bandage she could hold closed by clenching her fist. What an unnatural creature you are. And you are a coward and a cur. Eleanor said in a curt voice. She got to her feet by putting her good hand against the wagon. Be assured you will never have a moment's peace while I live. He laughed and the sound filled the night. Then he offered her a hand as if to meant to help her out of the cart. We are the bitterest of enemies then. Good. When she didn't take his hand, the duke stepped forward on the shifting spears and captured her by the upper arm. As he pulled her out of the cart he said. Why should you not give me a thousand more reasons to punish you for all we have lost? You have lost? She saw the glint of the dagger he'd used to free her in a scabbard on his thigh. Without thinking, she reached for it, and to her surprise, found it in her hand. He stepped back as she raised it over her head. Should she kill him? Herself? Who did she hate more? If she died, he would kill everyone on her lands. If he lived he would thieve everything away. She froze. In her long moment of indecision the duke stepped forward to retrieve the weapon. How disappointing. He said as he sheathed the blade. He waited, as if he expected her to say something in reply. I still hate you. He said after a moment. But I want you fed and in warm clothes. Hating you as you are now is like kicking a mongrel dog. Eleanor stared at him. And maybe we may as well get something more than a filthy rag on that hand. The duke gestured toward the camp and, reluctantly, Eleanor moved past him. They walked through the moonlit glen the party had stopped in, past campfires surrounded by sleeping men. Some still fought in their dreams. At one of the campfires, the duke stopped. He pulled a bundle from under a sleeping youth's head. To her surprise, the exhausted boy didn't wake even when his head hit the ground. The duke tossed her the wad of fabric. Care to change clothes? He asked. Eleanor hesitated, then dropped what he'd given her to the ground. Without a word, she pulled her bloody shift off over her head. It was all she wore and her nude body gleamed white in the moonlight. Around them, no one stirred. They were dead to the world and all the women in it. Eleanor pulled apart the bundle and donned the warm hose and shirt. They were rough but warm. For the first time in many long hours her bones didn't ache from the cold. After she was dressed, she bent down, picked up her shift and tucked it into the shirt. It had her brother's blood on it and it was all she had left of him. The duke had watched this display in silence, but now that it was over he spoke. I've never seen a maid undress so. He said. I am no maid. Eleanor made the word a curse. You saw to that. And think you that I fear your men? I will have the pack of them between my legs before I take you. The duke studied her for a long moment, then shook his head as if mystified. He turned and led her onward through the camp. When they came to the far edge of the glen, near a small brook and a low fire, they found the white-haired soldier and the smaller dark one she had met earlier in the day. She saw they slept with their hands curled around their blades as though they expected an attack in the middle of the night. The duke jerked a leg off a half-eaten rabbit that hung over the coals and tossed it to her. He used his knife to pull flesh from the rabbit's chest and put that into his own mouth. So. The duke said as he settled onto the ground. I could wake up Alan here, and you would have him? And the other too. She said as she sat tailor fashion near the fire. It was strange how her words meant nothing to her now. It was as if someone else thought them and someone else said them. 
She heard them come from her as a child hears adults talking in the dead of night. Wake them now and I'll take them on. Let's put a bastard on your seat. She tossed the leg bone into the fire. Any child I have while we are wed is yours in the eyes of God and the king, is it not? The duke cut another long strip of rabbit flesh from the carcass and offered it to her on the tip of his blade. Perhaps I will kill you. He said as she took it. You could have done that this morning. She replied. You knew my people would never accept you if you did. I know no such thing. I know you do. She tossed the meat into the fire half-eaten. The whole world tasted of carrion. It was a world of the dead and she the only living, bleeding thing in it. You sound so certain. He said as if thinking back to a time when he could say things with such conviction. I am. You must be also, or I would be dead now. My whole family would be dead. If we were easy to dispose of, you would have killed us all. You would not negotiate for what you could easily own. She fell onto her side and stared into the fire. She could still envision Eric's head on a pike, eyes open and staring. He had just died when she last saw him, right before she was pulled away to tend to yet another dying man. Her brother hadn't received last rites. There hadn't been time to summon the priest. He had died with all his sins upon him. Eric was in hell now, or perhaps in purgatory. How Eleanor wished she were with him. Even better if he had lived, and she had died. She let her eyes close. Perhaps, just perhaps, if she slept now she'd wake up wherever Eric was. A lake of fire would be a welcome relief from the endless days of misery and grief that stretched ahead. You're a coward and a thief. Think you we don't see that? What you cannot conquer through force of arms you are attempting to steal. The duke watched the girl slide into sleep. What kind of creature was this? A mad woman, surely. A mad woman to whom he was bound, body and soul, in the eyes of everyone except the two men sleeping nearby. She was both bitter and cunning, and that boded very ill. He tossed the bones of his meal into the fire and reached into a pack behind him. Pulling out clean linen strips and an earthen jar of salve, he moved around the fire to kneel beside the girl. He carefully pried open her injured hand, unsurprised that she didn't wake. She was the walking dead, a victim of the long battle and the many shocks they had all endured over the last many days. As the duke treated her, he marveled that he should have fought so long to come here. Thwart? An abandoned castle, rocky land, barren fields, and people so long without governance that they lived like savages. These things were no fit reward for half a lifetime in his king's service. Bile rose in the duke's throat as he thought of the younger of the two bodies that had shared the girl's company on the weary journey here. His bastard son, sixteen, and so in love with his father's noble profession that he had fought to join this battle, had died yesterday. The boy had been assigned a station suitable to his age and experience, but he'd left it behind to join the fray at the castle gate. Arrows have cut him down because he wore no shield nor leather armor. It was an old story to the duke's veteran eyes. Young men always thought war was an adventure, only to discover it was no more than human butchery. He should have refused the boy's request to leave his mother. Had he done so, the young man would even now be in the old city within sight of the Wailing Wall. The boy had come thousands of miles just to die. The duke left the girl, her hand firmly bound and her breathing steady, to patrol the camp. He much doubted if any of her tribe would come to rescue her. He'd cut down all but a score of the men who had stood against him during the siege, and the rest would have protecting their women and children in mind. This was the way of things, to end a border war with both slaughter and a wedding. He had proposed a diplomatic solution to this conflict even before it began, 
but this girl's father and brother would have none of it. As he studied the hundreds of worn men sleeping in the silver light of the moon, he wondered that they still followed him. He had promised them peace as a reward for all victories they had won over the years. A square of earth to till, wives and children, something more than blood and death to look forward to. He had brought them to this hard scrabble outpost and endless strife instead. These men, this army, were all he had. And he was all they could claim. Now they knew, as he had always known, that triumph in the Holy Land counted for nothing. Their crusade had been nothing more than a way to rid the kingdom of a son nobody wanted. Their failure to die in desert sands had eventually brought them home. These lands had been gifted to them by a king who saw a new use for their ability to kill. This was not a refuge. It was just another miserable battlefield. Through with his patrol, the duke walked back to study the girl again. Now that he had her as hostage, the destruction would stop. He could make plans for winter, and with luck most would survive the bitter cold and months of near starvation. In the spring, by God, his fields would yield if he had to sow every seed himself. One day he would have the prosperity and peace he had longed for since his father's execution. He would create his own square of heaven, protected by force of arms. He would find a beautiful, kind, strong woman to share it with him, and together they would build a clan so bold it could never be wiped from the world. The duke lifted his eyes to the sky. Jerusalem, lake of blood that it had become, had taught him there was no god, or at least none that cared for the mortals that littered this world. But if he could pray, he would pray for peace. Surely, he told the star-strewn sky, the killing has to come to an end. Eleanor woke the next morning to hear an oath at her ear. Her head dropped to the ground and she opened her eyes to find a knife at her throat. It was held by the white-haired man who had pulled her down the stairs the day before. God's teeth. So you slept with my wife last night? Said the duke sitting up. Much joy I hope you had in her. She promises to be nothing but a thorn in my side. The man let her go, heaved himself to his feet, and moved to the other side of the fire. He probed the rabbit carcass for a spare ounce of flesh. I'll have a lot of you. Every man in camp. Except your duke who I hope to see dead before he spawns an heir. Eleanor said as lightly as she could manage. She refused to show fear to these brutes. The lord in question, peeling a small apple with a knife, nodded. Will you accept her offer James? Eleanor saw that the dark-haired man who had held her down on her bed, yesterday, was awake and watching her. His head propped up on one arm. I would sooner sleep with a dog, my lord. To be truthful. If she were my wife, she would be dead within an hour. Sadly, James. Said the duke as he climbed to his feet. If she dies now we will have to go back and kill all those people we left behind. Their loyalty to her family shouldn't be repaid so. Eleanor looked up at him. So you have noticed that my people are loyal? You have no people. Said the duke. He fixed her with a hard look a note of warning in his voice. Those people I don't have are very loyal to me and to my family, aren't they? Eleanor raised her chin in defiance. You must wonder why. Fear, I suppose. Really? She asked as she stood and brushed the dirt off her clothes. Then all those children who were made homeless and starving by your aides must have been very loyal when they died. All those you orphaned yesterday will be loyal indeed. Shut your mouth. Said James. He was standing eyes riveted upon her, and his mouth set in a grim line. The duke waved him off with a motion of his hand, dismissing the matter. Enough. 
By nightfall we will be at the keep and we can lock her up where her madness will trouble us not at all. The duke threw his cloak over his shoulders. Eleanor shrugged, and turned away, walking back in the direction of the wagon. Where do you think you are going? The duke called. To ride with your dead. She called back. They are the only men in your army fit to accompany me. A Woman's Honor by Andrea Stewart. Voice recording copyright 2019 by Nancy Fulton. All rights reserved. Music by Pavel Kanzenkov licensed from Pond 5. For more daring love stories, please visit dark-romance.com.